Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Thank you so much. Um, okay, Nikki, let me just put those there. there we go. Um, Nikki is my beautiful bride. Is uh, <laughs> um, you're going to read the passage for us? Yeah. Go go. It's the first time I've had to put glasses on to read in church. Okay, um, this is Numbers 13, starting at verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites... And the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Thanks, babe. Um, I don't know if you have passages that you read over, they're kind of like they walk and they kind of live with you and you kind of carry them and you think about them a lot. And this is one of them for me. And it's funny how, as I've read it at different stages of my life, I've seen different, I've had different perspectives on this story. And um, 
And I, I want to share a little bit of the context before I share uh, the ways that the, the title of the talk is Stepping into the Promise. And really that means is we've all got stuff that we believe that God has spoken to us. And how do we, how do we get there, particularly when we've, we find ourselves in a situation where we feel a little bit stuck? So the first thing to understand is the people of God have been traveling. So the map is just about to come up on the screen. Um, there you go. And you'll see right at the top there, um, Ram, uh, Ramesses And they start, that, this is where they escaped from um, slavery after the Passover. Then they cross over, they go to Succoth, they go to Ithran, then they go to Baal-Zephanon, and they go right the way down. And right down the bottom, you've got Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And then by the time we read the story, they're up in the top, uh, well, in the sort of middle right, Kadash uh, Berena. And so they have traveled a long, long way. And um, just to give you some context, just while the map's up there, from Ramesses to Mount Sinai is 467 kilometers. And they spent, then they spent 40 days there. And then up to Kadesh is another 290 kilometers. Now, we don't know how long each phase of the journey took, but let's just put it in some sort of context. So um, prior to um, them making this journey, they had been slaves in Egypt, and they'd been living in oppression, they'd been living in slavery, and then what had happened is God had spoken, do you remember, and there'd been the plagues, and we sort of talk about the plagues, oh, well, the plagues happened. Well, I want you to imagine what it would have been like living in a place where these things were happening, where water turns to blood, where there are gnats, and there are flies, and there are frogs, and there's hailstones, and there's darkness, and they're, they're, they're living where all this has happened. So imagine, just imagine, like, we understand a little bit more about trauma now, than we did, well certainly I think about myself, I understand more about trauma and the impact of trauma uh, now than I did even reading this passage like a year ago. And we understand so what these people are carrying through. And it's not just kind of like fit young people, this is people of all different ages. You've got the old and you've got the infirmed and then you've got the very young and they are running for their lives. You know, they, they escape across what we think is probably the Sea of Reeds rather than the Red Sea. They escape across it. God miraculously parts it. They're, you know, they're hemmed in and they're about to, you know, the Egyptians are bearing down on them and God parts the sea and, and they go through it and then they turn around and they see an entire army washed away. On the one hand, thank God. On the other hand, imagine watching that happen. Imagine just that on top of everything else you've experienced, on top of are they going to come back and then they start this journey. And they start the journey exhausted. They start the journey having experienced everything. They start the journey trying to get their heads around the fact they're not slaves anymore, but maybe they will be slaves again because maybe the Egyptians are going to come after them and capture them again. And they're dealing with all this stuff, the hostile regime that enslaved them, the army bearing down them, as I said, watching the water part and all this stuff. And now here they are in a foreign land. They're not even sure where home is. Anymore, Is this resonating with what we're reading in our newspapers and seeing on the news now? People who are just displaced, uh, fleeing uh, from tyranny. That, in modern language, is a lot uh, to process, isn't it? And then we find them in the desert of Paran, in a wilderness, and they make camp, and they stop and they start to breathe, and maybe they start to feel human again, 
And then uh, Moses sends out these spies, and the spies come back. And, you know, we, we all just heard the story. And, and, you know, they say, well, the land's good. And, but can you, and they feel like God is calling them to step into this land and into this promise that he has for them of a new, a new place to call home. But can you imagine, like, I don't, I don't know about you, as I've thought about the story more recently, particularly thinking about everything that we've experienced over the last couple of years, they must have just felt exhausted. They, like, part of, some of them probably just wanted to stop. And so when we read about them saying, oh, we can't do it, you know, some of the spies saying, oh, you know, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and they're giants, and you know, they're giants in the land, and we can't do it. I don't know about you, but I have increased sympathy for them because I'm just like, they must have just been exhausted, traumatized, and just wanted to stop and to stay where they were and to rest just for a while to recover their sense of themselves, just to kind of begin to process everything that they've experienced. And they are so close to this promise that God has for them of this place where they can call home. They can almost see it. They can almost taste it. They can almost sort of smell it in the air. But it just seems like a step too far for them. It seems like just that, 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 that one journey, one battle, too many. I don't know where you find yourself after everything that we've experienced after the last couple of years. I, having spoken to some of you and knowing some of you, some of you are like, can't, you know, we're just, you know, super, super excited and can't, you know, we're so glad. And some people are just kind of tired. You know, they're kind of, um, what do they call it? They're, they're kind of reached overload. You know, and it's funny how we think we're fine and then someone says something or someone does something and we just kind of it brings all this stuff back or it just brings anxiety back or it brings stress back or it brings tiredness back or it brings whatever back and this is what these people were dealing with so five years ago I'd been lost what's their problem like you know God's given them a promise and he's promised them like what's you know come on London let's get up let's go for it yeehaw and then you exp- and then you begin to understand actually it's it's that simple but it's that difficult and it's that challenging uh, for them. And for all of us in here, we will ha- we, we'll have a sense of God, what, what we think God might have called us to, or a sense of what God might be inviting us into, or, or, or maybe some of us don't. And in that sense, all of us are sitting in the desert of Paran, knowing that this isn't our final stopping place, that God has something more and we'll all be experiencing and feeling different things about that. Some of us will be like, come on, yeah, we can do this, you know, Joshua and Caleb. And some of us will be like, just, I just, I just, I just need to stop. And some, some of us will be in the middle. And that's, that's totally fine. And I think, you know, as we think as a church and as, as a community, like, how do we move on from where we are? We've kind of... You know, we've settled in Paran for the last two years, if you like, and it feels like, you know, with everything that Pete's been sharing, that God's kind of got something new for us and something exciting for us, and, and are you up for it? And some of, some of you are, and some of you aren't, and some of you don't know, and some of you are wondering what's going on. They say there's three types of people, people who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who wonder what happened. Um, I spend most of my time with the third one, just wondering what on earth's going, what's happened. And, you know, there's... 
when we think about that, we're reminded of that verse in Isaiah where God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. And it feels like as a church, God's inviting us into a new thing. And there's a marker for that in some ways, which is that there's a change of leadership in, in, for this congregation in Guildford, uh, which I'm super excited about. And I think, you know, as, as I said last week, Adam and Hannah and Peter are just going to be phenomenal. And they're going to have different things that they feel God, you know, you know calling this congregation to. And they'll be fo- the focus will be the same, but be different. And, you know, they'll want to take you on a journey. And I want to encourage you to trust them and, and trust Pete and to let them lead us where as a church we feel God's calling us to. It's not, there's no geographical move, but it's just about an intention, an intentionality in our hearts. And, I, and, I, and I, so I guess there are three... So how do we step into the promise? How do we step into this, this new thing that God is calling us into? Because it is going to be different, you know, as life begins to get back to whatever normal even is, it will be different. And as a, as a church, things will be different and there's exciting new opportunities, whether it's wildfires or whatever it is, to really get plugged in and get involved in what God's calling this church to do. We're so excited about the life skills course that's running and our involvement with CAP. I mean, that is so exciting. And, and it's something that, what my heart always was, was that, as a church, we felt this wasn't just something that a few people did, and social transformation is just something a few people did, and the food bank wasn't just a thing that a few people did, but it's something that we did collectively, and that we own collectively, you know, that or Alpha or whatever it is. They're not just something that are kind of fringe projects, but as a church community, this is what God has called us to do and to be involved in and to see our town impacted by uh, our presence, the church, the church of God's presence in this place. So anyway, how do we take hold of the promise? Bearing in mind all the things that I've talked about, uh, all the experiences that we've had collectively over the last uh, two years. Uh, and I've got, a few, I've got a few props, I think, that will they'll hopefully help. And the first thing is remind ourselves who made the promise. So God made the promise to the people of God that he was going to give them a new home and a new land and a new place. So for that, I have um, a light bulb. Ka-ching, boing. Remember, remember who has made the promise. See, the thing is, uh, who makes the promise, who tells us something is really important. You know, we know we have more or less confidence in the likelihood of the promise being fulfilled depending on who it is who's promising us. So if Nikki promises something to me, I know it's going to happen because I, I know her and I know what she's like. And the same way, who's made the promise to us as a church? Who's made a promise to you? Who's made a promise to our church family? was God. Well, what do we know about God? Why can we be confident in the one who's made the promise? Ka-ching. Because we know who he is. We know what he's like. We know the things that he cares about. We know the things that break his heart. And, um, and we know that he's called us to do things. We know from the Bible that it says he's good and his love endures forever. We know he's faithful. We know he's holy. We know that when he said, or that we just sung, you know, all your promises are yes and amen. When he promises something, he delivers on his promise. Sometimes not in the way that we expect or that we hope, but he is always faithful to fulfill his promises. 
He's always faithful to fulfill his promise in your life. It may take a little longer. It may be a little different from how you expected it, but he is faithful. So the first thing is remind ourselves who made the promise because we forget so easily. In this story, it is like the people of God have collectively forgotten who promised them the land that they were going into. Which leads me to my second point. We need to retell ourselves the stories of what he's done in the past. I don't know if you, uh, when you look at the Bible, the thing that I notice is that over and over and over again, they retell the stories. And for a long time, I was like, oh my, like, what is wrong with them? Like, I've just read this two chapters ago. But you forget that it doesn't mark the passage of time in quite the same way. And they retell the story because they forget. So this is my gap year photo album. Um, and because I have to remind myself sometimes that, yes, I, you know, I, I went traveling and I went to the States and, and I went to Mexico and I traveled around Mexico with YWAM and I help work in an orphanage and I, I was involved in building houses for people who are homeless in, in, in a suburb of Mexico. And, 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 and I forget that until I look at this. Nikki said, be careful what you show them. Because I'm... No. <laughs> Definitely not doing that his way. <laughs> so... You, you can't see that, but that's Vern, who was our outreach leader. Is very. By the time he'd finished, he was godly and patient. Um, and this is us changing a time. Do you know what? Until I saw this picture, I'd completely forgotten. Um, in 20 minutes, we burst that tire six times. Six times we changed, had to change tire. We kept going back, and they were. And we'd basically just totally overloaded our van <laughs> with people and stuff. And, and, and that's the beginning, you can't see it really, but um, anyway, for those of you who can, that's the, the beginning of the, um, the house that we built for this family who had been homeless, because when we were out there, there'd been massive floods and people had lost their homes. And these are some of my friends that I haven't seen since, you know, I'm, uh, now because of Instagram and Facebook, I can be in touch with them, but, but th this book, that's really super embarrassing, um, this is me as Jesus <laughs> in a YWAM drama, and if you've ever seen a YWAM drama, they're particularly unique. And, and, and that's me doing the tambourine dance, which was even more unique. And I'm not, I'm not a very good dancer, so it, um, it took quite a long time to learn how to do. I mean, still remember it now, but it took a long time. And, it, you know, I carry these things with us. But the point is, we, I look at this and I remind myself of what God did in that time. And we have all got, like, photo albums of our faith journey, so to speak. And it's when we go back and we look at them and we remember, my goodness, God did that. And, oh, yeah, we, you know, do you remember when God did that? Or, you know, do you remember when, when, when we did the first summer, summer fest? Do you remember that? And, like, it was all in the field and it was boiling hot and we had a tug of war. And, and do you remember the, the summer fest where it was so hot, we, all felt, we were in the Campbell's field and we felt like we were going to melt and everyone kind of disappeared because it was just so hot. 
And do you remember the time we, before that, we did Summerfest in, up at Winterfold, and basically the, we were baptizing people in about that much water. Do you remember that? Because it was a weekend. And like, you remember these stories, and you remember what God has done over a period of time, and think about what God has done in this church over a period of time. You know, I think about over the last two years, what the collectives have done, and how they have looked after people, and loved people, and carried people, and supported people for the through some extraordinarily difficult times. You know, we have, seen, we have seen loved ones die. We have seen babies being born. You know, we've, had the, we've, we've done the whole roller coaster. And we've been able, and just thinking like my, part of my job has been to, to support collective leaders and, uh, with Sue. And it's just been amazing to see what the collectives have done, how they have looked after each other and cared for each other during this season that we've been in. I think about, the, I think, probably the most moving thing that, that I saw this, probably in seven years was this week, this last week in the lighthouse in Woking and seeing the you, you hub for Ukrainians open for the first time and seeing the building full of people who have fled for their lives and have made it here somehow. And they, you know, they're hugging and they're crying and they're kissing each other. And, and there's someone from the, the government department, whatever it is, trying to give them a little bit of support about the, the, the support that they, they can get. There's someone from the Citizens, Citizens Advice Bureau trying to help them with housing and all this kind of stuff. Then you go downstairs and uh, there's Jigsaw, which is the clothes where they give clothes for kids, and there are children climbing on the counter, and there are, you know, children playing with prams, because, you know, and it's just kind of people just there, and, and as a church, we are part of the response to that. And I've, I've never felt so proud to be part of this church and to see what will happen if we will make ourselves available and God invites us in something, say, we'll do that. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how long it's going to last. But we're not going to stay stuck in the desert of Paran. We're going, to, we're going to go for it. We know we're all tired. We know we've all got stuff going on. But we're still going to go where we feel God calling us to go to. It was just incredible. So retell the stories of what God has done in the past, whether it's the recent past like this week or whether it's the further past like my time building houses and doing tambourine dances in Mexico. Retell your stories of what God has done in your life to remind yourself that the one who promised is faithful. Look back and, and look at the times and remind yourselves of the stories of things that he did so that as you step into the next thing that God's calling you, 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 can, you can see, you can track back how he's been faithful, how he's been with you, how, he, how he's done what he's promised, even if he's not done it the way that you thought or in the timing that you would have liked. And thirdly, got some binoculars. Refocus your perspective. Now, um, There we go. I can, I can now see... Oh, I can see people... In the, well, I can't see the balcony because I'm blinded by the light. But I... Oh, I can. Hello up there. It's not yet. Yeah, someone waving at the back there. Lovely. Nice to see. I can just about see. There you go. And if I refocus again here, there we go. There we go. Who, 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 can, I see? who can I see? I'm having a few problems here with the focusing, but... 
but you get the gist. There we go, there we go. There's Gibbo there. Nice to see you, looking very good there. Little nod of the head. Nice, nice shirt there. Is it? No, it's a hoodie. Beg your pardon, hoodie. Um, but binoculars, it's amazing what happens when we change our perspective, when we refocus our perspective. Because what's happened in this story is that the people of God have lost perspective. What, what, think back to what's happened so that God's promised them this land. And the people come back and say, oh, the people in that land, I mean, they're tall and they're scary. And we, I mean, we, we were like, what's happened to their perspective? What's happened? Their perspective has shifted to what is around them rather than who is above them. Their perspective, they have focused their perspective on what they can see in front of them. Not the person who's always been with them, who has been behind them and has promised that he will go before them. In our own lives, it's so easy, isn't it? To focus, for all the reasons I totally understand and I do myself all the time, on the wrong things rather than the right person. We focus on the wrong things rather than focusing on the right person. And sometimes we need a Joshua in our lives to come and give us a pair of binoculars and say, time to refocus your perspective on the person who is faithful, on the person who has done all those things in the past, on the person who has promised. And we find as we refocus our perspective, we begin to find courage again to step into that new thing. Now, here's the thing about the promise. God, if you read, if you read the passage, God didn't say it was going to be easy. He didn't say, here's a promise tied up in a bow and in a box with a gift card for you. He said, here's a promise, but you're going to have to fight for it. And, I, and they did. They did eventually after a whole generation had died because they, they, they couldn't remind themselves who made the promise. They forgot to retell the story and they lost perspective. A whole generation died in the wilderness. And a new generation had to come, had to re-remember who made the promise, had to re remember and retell the story and had to learn to refocus their perspective. And when they did get into the promised land, they did have to fight for it. Because I think some of the challenge sometimes is God, God says, here's a promise for you. How much do you want it? How much do you believe me for it? And for all of us, when God promises something, He's not promising an easy ride, but he's promising that he will be with us, that he is faithful and he will fulfill what he's promised. So for all of us here, whatever it is you, wherever it is you find yourself in the desert of Paran, whether you're like, I'm ready to go now, or whether you're like, I just need to pull out my deck chair, put on my sunglasses and some sun cream and, you know, enjoy the race for a little bit and recover. Let, wherever we are, let's, and as a church, in this kind of moment where it kind of feels like we're on the launch pad for the next thing, the only way we will get there is to remind ourselves of who made the promise, is to retell, us, retell the stories of the things that God has done in the past in our own lives and in this church family. And he has done extraordinary things. Just think about little baby Atherton, Hope Atherton, who we were told like wouldn't make it out of the womb. And then we're told we'd had this extraordinary genetic disease and, and now is totally fine. A little underweight but, and small, but a totally perfect, beautiful baby. 
That is an extraordinary story of what God has done in our midst. We think about other people who, who God has done extraordinary things with in this church. And deliverance and healing and all the rest of it. And we, as we retell those stories, like, yeah, I know, you know, we get a little bit of momentum going. The wheels start turning. The momentum starts happening. And, and then perspective, perspective, perspective. Yes, there's going to be challenges. Yes, your truth is, like, most people in Guildford don't care. Uh, the counts are difficult. You know, we're not going to get the building that we thought God had promised us, but he still promised us a building. You know, we're not going to get the place for the, we're going to get the lighthouse in Guildford, but it's just not going to be where we, where we thought it was or when we thought it was, because we thought it was there about three years ago. But he's still faithful and it will still happen in his timing. So whatever's going on in your life, I want to encourage you this morning to remember the God who is faithful, the God who has worked in your life, and the God who is with you. Why don't we stand together? As, as I said, I, uh, you could be in a number of, maybe we could get the band back to, I don't know, do something. You could play your new single, okay? <laughs> some of us will have a really clear sense of what God has promised us, uh, and some of us won't. And maybe for some people here, actually the prayer is, Lord, I'm not even really sure what your promise for me is. Well, I mean, he's made loads of promises to you, they're all in the Bible, but like you want something for you. Well, maybe your prayer this morning is, Lord, I just need to know what it is you have for me. For others of us here, we know what God has for us, but either we feel stuck because, because of everything that's happened or, or we feel exhausted or we feel like I'm up for this. I just need, I need to know I can get on with it. So whichever category you are in, I mean, if you respond to any of those categories, I'm going to invite you in a second to come to the forward. Come to the front. And we will pray for you. I'm not quite sure how it's going to work, but the theatre have very kindly taken the front few rows out, which makes it slightly easier. So if you're here and you're like, Lord, I don't know what you've got for me. I kind of feel like I'm lost in the desert somewhere. We'd love to pray for you. If you're here and you're like, I know what you promised called me to but I just I don't know if I've got it in me I just I just don't know I just feel tired I feel exhausted I feel traumatized I feel anxious we'd love to pray for you and if you're hearing like come on God when's the starting gun going off I want to get on with this Uh, we want to pray for you and you probably should pray for us Um, so as Pete leads us in a a, Pete and Kate lead us in a song I'd love to invite you it may just be one or two people in which case that's totally fine it may be no one in case in which case wonderful But for anybody else who finds himself in one of those spaces, we would love uh, to pray for you.